When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Tom Bernard Show with L.A. Nick. And Cassie Schrader. Our very special guest coming up next, Dr. John Huber, right after this Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business that started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer. My family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. This is Dr. John Huber playing the guitar. And here he is singing. Dr. John Huber, lawnmower parents take over from helicopter moms as the new generation aim to shield their children from adversity. Uh, I will tell you something, Dr. John Huber. I, I didn't wish to be 
uh, shielded from adversity. There's adversity in life on many, many different levels. I had no desire whatsoever to be shielded from adversity myself, and my kids were exposed. Well, just knowing their dad is kind of adversity, so that's bad enough for my kids. But Understatement. Under, <laughs> understatement of the year. A lot of times Cassie starts the clock two minutes late. Oh, but, sorry. You, know, you are a disaster I with know. the clock. I'm going to have to do it it's tomorrow right. and Friday. It's, no. actually, it's actually more convenient if you did it from your spot because you can see the eye. Don't tell me how to do it. <laughs> I'm too short. I need to grow a few inches. <laughs> Doctor Doctor Huber, do you think I should just uh, completely just give up and move into Ted Kaczynski's cabin? <laughs> what do you think? I, you know, I, I hear it's pretty run down now. It's been a while since anybody's been there. <laughs> yeah, it might be run down now. Tell us about lawnmower parents. What's what's a lawnmower parent? Well, lawnmower parents uh, make helicopter parents look like amateurs. Uh, they, they are helicopter parents on steroids. They mow down controversy before oh, it even has yeah. a chance to, to come up on the horizon for these individuals. And it's, it's creating even more uh, helpless young adults than helicopter parents did because they absolutely don't know how to deal with anything that is uh, a a decision-making type activity, whether it's, okay, my friend didn't treat me right to, you know, should I stay with this boyfriend or not kind of thing. They just absolutely have no clue because they haven't had experience making decisions. Yeah, I I don't know why parents would think that it would be a good idea to never face a problem. Your child to never face adversity, never face a problem. How are they going to function when you're no longer around? They're not. Well, that's exactly. And... and, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you you hit that one on the head, and they're not they're not thinking like oh my god I'm not I'm not preparing my child. What they're thinking is I love my child so much, I don't want them to ever get upset and have a horrible childhood. When the reality of it is, those errors, those failures that kids make, are not really failures. They're teaching opportunities that allow that child to grow and develop a good self esteem, a good decision making hierarchy, and find out what's really important to them. It, it, it's not an intentional thing, I believe. I, I want to believe. Maybe I'm maybe I'm too naive. I don't know. You know what? I don't think that's being too naive. You just want people to act normally. I See, in my family and with my group of friends, basically it was understood, and, and if any, not really stranger, but if somebody outside the group wandered in, they found out very quickly that if you mess with my family or friends, I'll behead you. <laughs> so that, that's a good way to handle adversity. Just don't cause problems around here or it's going to be a huge problem. And and people, I learned to deal with adversity that way. I learned there were rules that I didn't act like a jackass around people because there were consequences. Are there any consequences for the children of lawnmower parents at all? Any consequences at all? Well... For example, I, I have a client, or I had a client just recently, and I was asked by an attorney to help find some mitigating issue with this person because oh, yeah. he was very inter- interested in fame, and he didn't want to have to work at the fame. So he got online, got his social media accounts, and then recorded himself damaging businesses, and he ended go. up having two, 300,000 followers. But one of them happened to be a local police officer, and he got arrested for all those damages. (laughs) (laughs) 
and uh, he had a hard time understanding why people were upset with him. They have insurance. Oh. I mean, what's the deal? Oh, God. I, see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. They, they've never real, lived a real day in their life. Uh, right. It's just really, really sad where we're headed and where we've gotten to. And, and the amazing thing, what you just talked about, Dr. Huber, this guy damaging businesses for no reason. They have no personal involvement whatsoever. But there's so much of that now. People just love destroying other people's property or other people. And I don't get what the great joy there is. Where's the great joy in that? Well, he, he's not he's not getting joy off of damaging the property. Where he's getting the joy is the, the insta-fame he gets. Right, so he, right. He doesn't have yep. to do anything. And all of a sudden, he's famous. In fact, mm-hmm. when the attorney hired me to work with this guy, he calls me like at 11 o'clock over the weekend at night, okay, I mean, like, we're we're heading to bed, 11 o'clock, right. and he calls me up and asks me, aren't, aren't I excited to have him as a client? <laughs> there you go. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, uh, Dr. Hubie, you're so lucky that I'm talking to you right now. It's unbelievable. It's just give, give, <laughs> give with me. Give, give, give. That's all I do. I, I, I would like to get back to a day when everybody was courteous to one another, didn't judge people. Uh, you know, you, look, you're attracted to certain people, and there are other people you're like, eh, I don't know about this whole, whole situation. Exactly. It's just part of being a human being. But I really, doctor, am I in a, am I in a bad uh, frame of mind? Because I, have, I am nearly terrified that these psychos out there are going to start taking out big-name politicians like they did in the 60s. Is that okay to have that fear right now, do you think? I, I think it's a legitimate fear. You know, we, we, we've kind of swung things in a situation with, with I, I think it boils down to a lot of this political correctness. We, we can't yeah. have a value judgment. And if we don't have a value judgment, how do we determine what's right or wrong? How do we, how do we determine what is important to us? So I think by creating these artificial, oh, this doesn't matter, I, I think we've opened the door and set ourselves up. And I want to believe the pendulum is getting close to that apex and it's going to turn around and start swinging back the other way. God, I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. My mother raised seven children by herself in a not great neighborhood. We were destitute, as a matter of fact, had no money whatsoever. But she never even thought of lawnmower parenting or helicopter parenting. Anyone's like, yeah, I'll be down at the diner waiting tables. You get off your ass and do your job, whether it's in school or as a busboy. You need to do your job. Uh, Amen. And I adored my mother. My mother was a very strong woman. I just adored her because basically it was like, well, as an example, we were talking about uh, previous guests about about the death of your friends and your parents, and I was talking about the day my mother died, and I can remember her looking at me and what she said. But here's why I love my mother. All her life, all she ever did was talk about the Virgin Mary because she was a big time Catholic. On our wall was JFK because he was the only Catholic president. There was the Pope. Right. There was Dean Martin. Janet's <laughs> picture up there. <laughs> A big statue of Mary. Yeah, a big statue of Mary. That's every woman in my family. <laughs> yeah, they, she absolutely loved the Virgin Mary, so she she's dying, and I take her hand, and she says, Tommy, I, I don't know if I want to die. I said, what are you talking about, Mom, your whole life you've dedicated to meeting, you know, Jesus and heaven and God and all the rest. And the great part for you as a woman, you finally get to meet the Virgin Mary. 
And she pauses and looks at me and goes, yeah, don't give me that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Mom. That's great. I love that. That's how I grew up. So there are no lawnmower parents. And it did not carry over to us. We don't. Uh, look, there are two two people in the room right now that know our children. We don't we don't baby our kids. I mean, I make sure I take care of them that they're not suffering, but right. I don't. I they're don't. not delusional. They're not delusional. <laughs> yes, that's a that's a good way to put it. Yeah, they're well, not. They delusional. know reality. Well, well, kids are hard to raise. You know that. If you raise sure. them right, it's even harder. And I think by ha- being that lawnmower parent, I think you avoid. 90% of the work you have to do as a parent yep. because you're not sitting down with the kid saying, okay, how do we learn from this? You know, and of course we don't use those words directly until maybe they're older, but the reality of it is that's what young life is about. As adults, we help them learn from their mistakes. So we don't need to be there when they're in their twenties and thirties and forties right. and they can have a safe, productive life. Yeah, and I think that's a one. See that to me, generation to generation to generation. Do 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 lawnmower parents ever look back at their parents and 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 do they say, well, my parents didn't do this with me, uh, or were the helic the the lawnmower parents were their parents helicopter parents? And I mean, how far back does it go? I'm the opposite of a lawnmower. Well, <laughs> exactly. I I think they look back and they think. My parents were evil. There's no way I'm going to do this. <laughs> you think that's true, that my parents were evil? I like that. That's not an overstatement at all. <laughs> I, I, you know, I just had a few in my office. I'm just throwing that out, you know. And yeah. that's my, my, my myopic view because I don't get to meet every single lawnmower or helicopter mom out there. So, I will tell you another thing. And, I, again, I, I've, I, I've led this magnificent life. I have a great family and all the rest of it. I... Um, I just, I've enjoyed all, my, when my father was institutionalized, Dr. Huber, you and I have talked about that before. My father was schizophrenic. He was institutionalized when I was 10 years old. Uh, from the time I was 10 years old, because my brother, I had an older brother, but he was in Vietnam. So there was, there was not, really nobody around. There were a lot of women, and I love women, and I was raised by women. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But Mr. Fisher, who was a, a father of a friend of mine, Mr. Laurent, father of a friend of mine, and, and a few other fathers in the neighborhood, made sure that when they saw me, they put their arm around my shoulder and go, hey, Tom, you're a great kid. You'll do fine. Don't worry about it. They were that kind to me as a kid. What, it was wonderful. What, what I can think of is these parents that are doing this, if my parents would have been that way towards me, I would have missed all the great things in my life. Like, <laughs> yeah, probably have, like true. all the things probably that true, made yeah. me made me who I am today and got me where I'm at, I would have missed because yeah. they would have smothered them Absolutely. out of me. Like I, I was a latchkey. Both my parents worked, so I I had really ran my own life, my whole life. So it yeah. made me responsible yeah. and smarter than a kid that would be smothered all the time. All right, so, so Dr. Huber, when we look in the mirror, can we see that we're lawnmower parents, or is it another denial situation where, no, 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 I'm not like that at all? Uh, do they know they're lawnmower? I, I, think there's some de- I think there's some denial in there. I mean, we yeah. sit back, and my wife and I, we, we look at the, the people that we hang around with and their kids, and a lot of the people we hang around with is because our kids are the same age and that kind of stuff. And it's funny how... We get together and we see these parents and we're like, oh, wow, that's, you know, she's overprotective, he's overprotective. It's how they stop being part of the group because 
they don't want to to change their perspective that what they're doing isn't right. Yeah, right. Exactly. I, I guess what's weird about it is both the father and the mother. Do they do it together, or does one of them just kind of stay out of it? Like, you know, I, I, I've seen it both ways. What I've seen my work as a school psychologist and working with parents is when you got one parent that is that lawnmower parent, that that the other parent ends up resigning themselves to be an absentee parent, or there they actually go. get a divorce. There and you separated. go. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to pick your battles. That's what it boils down. It, to. Is is this becoming regional too? Like more certain in certain regions of the country, like inner cities. You know, I, wealthy I, I suburbs. Um, I, I have my guess, my, my perspective on it. Uh, you know, wealthy people, you see it both both situations there. You have the parents who are like, hey, if it wasn't for hard work and me struggling as a kid, I never would have made my money. And then the other ones are, hey, I never want my kids to have to struggle for anything. Um, I, I've had parents as a college professor call me up and say, hey, you know, can we talk tomorrow? And my off, when are my office hours? And they literally got on their private jet and flew out and were in my office the next day. Yeah. And so, so why is my why did you give my daughter a failing grade? And I'm oh, like, well, God. she earned it. I didn't give it to her. <laughs> and, and, I like that. You know. And 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 they look at me like I'm insane, and I pull up the grades and show it to them, and they're like, so she just didn't turn that in exactly. She didn't yeah. Turn that yeah. In. There you go. And, uh, you know, once you spell it out that way, it's like, look, it's a production market here. We talk about a meritorious society. And, you know, if you're in a dwindling industry that's failing and, and you work really hard, very meritoriously, you're going to make less money than a new up-and-coming industry where you're working just as hard. So it's the productivity that we got to look at, and that's what I change it to. Let's look at productivity and all of a sudden, the parents start seeing, oh, yeah, my kid's not producing. That, and should, they have be, to that produce. should be like a rule in life right yeah, now because be. people yeah, aren't producing. Be. I will tell yeah, you. I mean, because I got this. Well, they work really hard. I go, a lot of people work really hard and mm -hmm. don't get anywhere. You know, so let's look at what they're producing. Yep. Is it absolutely. marketable? So everybody knows I adore my wife. I really do. And and. We, we've been together 37 years, been married 34 years. I adore her. But this is how we parent. She'll say, um, well, the kids are grown now. They're 31 and 29. But when they were younger, Catherine would say, uh, this, 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 and this is happening. What do you think we should do? And I would say what we what I thought we should do. And then she'd look at me and go, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Catherine. So just, I, can oh, see, I can see oh, how yeah. she says it. Look at her face and all. Oh, there's no doubt about it. So just from one <laughs> idiot to another, right? Just, if is. you know Catherine, you I, can really exactly. picture her saying that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I remember my son was six and my daughter was three. And my son walks over and asks me for, for permission to do something. I don't remember what it was, but my daughter walks over and goes, excuse me, my son's name is John, so we called him Johnny, so when my wife was mad, we knew who she was mad at. Sure. My daughter goes, excuse me, Johnny, don't you understand? Mom just makes Dad think he's in, he's, he's in control of everything. She's <laughs> well, I'm in the same boat. Dr. John Huber, ladies and gentlemen, lawnmower parents, always a great pleasure to talk to you, sir. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Tom. You have an amazing show. Keep it up. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back. Very special guest coming up next to Tom Bernard Show.
It's Tom here to tell you how easy it was for me to hit my goal of a 92.5-pound weight loss at Nutramost <laughs> Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan. It is. I started in March, and in just over five oh, months, yeah, I learned totally. about clean eating, and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods, very important. I'm now in the reset phase and then on to the Nutramost Forever Maintenance Program, which I'll be talking about more in the weeks to come. Find out how to have success losing weight like I did. Attend the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth free informational dinner on Monday, October 15th, 6.30 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those extra pounds melt away really fast with this easy program. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutramost helped me change my life, and they can help you too. Register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on October 15th. Just call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. Would Hollywood be swinging without Mike Evans? That's what I think. Yeah, I have to see if he's on because there's one that says voicemail, but I don't know if that's a name or what it is. Mike Evans, voicemail. Yeah, I don't know. Mike, are you with us? Hold on, let me answer it and see what happens. Oh, you haven't answered yet, okay. Come on, man. Walk Walk towards your daddy. Hey, who's the guy there that says, Who's Mike Evans? That's that's LA Nick. L.A. Nick, what part of L.A.? Uh, I lived, grew up at the com. Well, I didn't grow up, but spent most of my time at the comedy store, right above the comedy store. I was good friends with Paulie's mom, Mitzi. I knew Paulie. Nice, yeah. Spent a lot of time there. Spent a lot of time there. Smoked a lot of pot there, boy. Yeah, I didn't smoke a lot. I didn't smoke pot, but I smoked something else there. <laughs> yeah, crack. <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, I was actually in the in Paulie's documentary on on the comedy store. His last one. Where you go two blocks north, you got 9,000 Sunset. I used to live up there. Yep, I lived on Sunset Plaza for a little bit and lived on Santa Monica and Wilcox for a little bit and lived on just about everywhere in the West Hollywood area. Yeah, I, I got smart, moved to Redondo and Hermosa and Manhattan. Yeah, I like Manhattan. Manhattan's nice. The only problem with that place is if you look like me and you drive through, the cops instantly pull you over. <laughs> No, well, no, no, no. as well they should. As well they should. Okay. Well, Michelle Tafoya is from Manhattan. They didn't like. They, you know what they do? They would pull me over and say, "Go back to Hollywood." <laughs> I like it. They literally would. They'd pull you over and say, "Turn around and go back to Hollywood." I like it. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I'm not surprised. That, I'm not surprised at that at they all. They didn't like. You long, went down to they didn't like long hair rockers in Manhattan Beach. 
Now, go to Palos Verdes, they really throw you out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tommy, 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 my homeboy. You know, I'm on 40 radio stations every day. We've been together for 23 years. And I, I this. I can say bullshit on on this. That's good. That's really you can cool. Do whatever you want, as long as Cassie's willing to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> no, All the stages, man. You are my favorite every morning. Lately, you've been a little crusty. I don't know. Sometimes it gets you in a bad mood, but you, you, it's it's always a treat and fun, and it, it, it it's just been it's just been a, a a pleasure. I'll tell you something, Mike, and I'm very very serious about this. I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because starting yesterday. Uh, I started uh, medical marijuana yesterday, and it, 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 I am in the best mood I have been in since, God, at least two decades. Hobby is good for you. It really That's good is. for you. Now, our son, our son, we just saw our son, uh, um, he flew in uh, with his partner. And uh, his partner said, hey, I got you some. It's a little spray. And I, I, thought, it was a, I thought it was like Bianca. And I sprayed it. I go, <laughs> what is this? He goes, it's a, it's, a new spray. it's a new spray of marijuana. It's really good for you. I'm pretty sure it's Banaka, not Bianca, but, you know. Yeah, I just started mine last night. My, you, start, oh, you did start yours last my night. My medical marijuana, you yes. Go, are you going green, yellow, red? Uh, I tried the yellow vape, and then I oh, also have okay. a high-grade CBD oil. Yeah, so the... But I like the oil. I like, I like the CBD oil. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's kind of, I can't remember what she called it. It started with a T, but it's alcohol-based. So yeah, when I put yep, it underneath my, yep. I put a dry, you know, the dosage underneath my tongue and let it sit. It's like sitting with Listerine in your mouth. It is. Yeah, yeah it's per, it burns, but. Right, has it calmed you down? Does it make you feel better? Yeah, I, my yeah. pain level is probably at a four today versus it's been about a nine or a ten the last month and a half. Maybe it's just L.A. Nick that calms you down. <laughs> yeah. Might You're be. a natural have, pain I reliever. I have that. I have, I have that, that effect on people. <laughs> But I my, got. I'm looking at my. Uh, I'm looking at my uh, Wally drops, my uh, strawberry cheesecake, uh, ten, th, uh, ten milligrams THC, and then here I have my liquid CBD THC drops, one to one ratio. <laughs> this is funny. The first time I got these drops, the first times I got these drops, I looked at it and it says, oh, uh, two, a drop, two dropfuls. Uh, of uh, liquid for a do for a dose, so I take two drop two uh, full. Uh, what do you call them? Full You've been hitting loads, the pipe already today. <laughs> yeah, I have. I have. So, <laughs> so man, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm like way buzzed. I mean, I'm like holy crap. So then I read it closer. It says no two drops, not two. Oh, drop the, the two oh. the two little tubes full. Yeah, that's a tough row to hoe there, brother. So it's about 10 drops instead of two drops. You're but amazing. anyway. You are amazing, so, man. I'm, a, I'm, just really, I'm just really blessed. I'm the most blessed person you know, Tommy. Most blessed person you know. Well, you're very but easy But you know what's really funny? You know what's really amazing to me is, is people, are, people are just bizarre. Why? Well, I don't know why, but they are. Now, I'm going to read you. I just opened this, I swear, two minutes ago while I was listening to you and, and uh, your, your first guest. Yeah, I'm going to read it to you as it is. It says, Mike, heard your comment today about how you would like, uh, how you think the best World Series would be L.A., Boston, and you would prefer Root Canal to have Milwaukee, Houston. 
Your arrogance is insulting, <laughs> but it is expected. I know you think the world re revolves around Los Angeles, which is laughable. Keep living in your stupid fantasy world, Mike. Those of us in the real world, not in the, in the flyover states, love the fact that you're too stupid to recognize how arrogant you sound. And by the way, most of us in Kansas City are pulling for Milwaukee because several former Kansas City Royals are now members of the Brewers. You are too stupid to know that, but your audience does. I turn you off most mornings rather than to listen to you. What station are you on in Kansas City? Uh, KCMO. Well, it's a nice station. You want, to hear what I wrote, you want to hear what I wrote back while I, I was listening I, to you? I'd love to hear it. Okay. Michael, don't know if you got up on the wrong side of the bed, don't know anything about me, or you have a screw loose. Come on, man. Why so mean and calling me names and being hateful? I'm pulling for the L.A. Dodgers because I worked for the L.A. Dodgers and traveled with the L.A. Dodgers right. for five years. I'm still very close friends with some people associated with the club, including my friend Tommy Lasorda. Why wouldn't I pull for my friends? And let's see, you're pulling for the Brewers because some of the Brewers used to play for the Royals. Are any of them your friends? I was raised in Hawaii, but, in, but in Los Angeles has been my home for over 40 years. It's my home, for God's sakes. As for Boston Red Sox, I have a son that lives in Boston, been to Fenway Park 50 to 75 times. I love the city. As for Milwaukee, just never really liked the team, although when Don Sutton was there, a friend, I used to go see them. Is that okay? Finally, regarding the flyover crap. My mother lived in Leavenworth in Kansas City, and Kansas City. She died and is buried in Overland Park and right there in Kansas City. I've been to the Truman Complex a hundred times. Uh, I'm on two, actually I'm on two radio stations in, in, in Kansas City. Been to the lighting of the Christmas lights in the plaza 15 oh, times. Capital Girl's my favorite restaurant. I think I know enough about Kansas City. Be rest assured, I'm not just stuck in Los Angeles. Have a great day. I like it. That's a really, that's an abrupt answer. Calling me names? Okay. Calling me names, homie. That's today's world. It is today's world. Here's what you need to do, Mike. Here's what I do. Uh, whenever anybody in person or on email or whatever uh, says, yeah, I just had to tell you, I hate your show. I always go, who gives a rat's ass? <laughs> and just walk away. <laughs> You don't like no, it, that's then you right. don't like it. What do you want me to do? If you don't like it, I'm not going to try to talk you into it. Look, there exactly. are tons of loyal listeners, and I love them dearly. Uh, but if you're going to tell me how horrendous the show is, kiss my sister's black cat's ass. That's all I... <laughs> there you can't, go. Can't make everyone you like go. you. No, you can't make people like you. No. I've tried them. No. That's when I was younger. And, and you should... Some people are just hateful. Well, yes. what, what What other people think about you should be none of your business. I, I agree. What other people think of me is none of my business. It's yeah. true. If you, I if, if agree you more. make it your business, you will have a miserable life. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I make, the, I make the mistake of answering most emails that I get, and, and I get a lot of emails. And 99% and of them are good, but every once in a while I get one like that calling me names, calling me stupid. Yeah, I don't know. He's just, why people just have like, to do what? I, I don't know why people I, have I told, to be I that. I told Rock Immediate the same thing. Best thing to do, ignore, ignore, ignore. It is. Just ignore them. I know. It's so hard. Just to, but you oh, have to. If there's not, so many things you, you want to say. But it'll make every day <laughs> of your life miserable. I know. Just go with who gives you that ass like that. <laughs> 
I got a uh, I got an email. Oh, it's been a while a while ago. I got an email from one of uh, our listeners there at, K, at KQ. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know where it came from, but out of the clear blue sky, this guy says he really likes listening to me. He sits out in the parking lot before he goes into work so he can hear me. Uh, and he's been listening to Tom Bernard for years and years. And he says I still tell my I still tell my friends about the time that you talked about Scarlett Johansson bleaching her ass hair. Oh yes, that's that pops up. That does pop up. I mean, how many years ago was that, Tommy? How many oh, years ago was that? It was a long time ago, man. It was a long time. <laughs> no, this guy writes this out of the clear blue sky. I go, okay, righty. I will tell you, Mike. We well, have a there you go. We have a listener to this show who uh, worked at the Ford plant in St. Paul. Joe uh, from Louisville. He now works at Ford down in Louisville. Because they shut down the uh, the plant up here, but he worked there for years, and they used to at the Ford plant in St. Paul stop work when you were on, and every Friday they would all sing Aloha Friday along with you. How cool! You're is that? kidding. Do you know what they You're called kidding. it? You're kidding. Do you they know call, what they called? They called it the Aloha Fra- uh, the Aloha Line Dance. That's they, right, the Aloha my, Line Dance. Yeah, because my right. ex-husband worked at the Ford plant. Oh, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, he worked there, and he took the buyout and everything when they closed it. But oh, yeah, yeah, every Friday they would, as they're walking down the line, putting parts in the truck, they would all dance to Aloha Friday. <laughs> That's pretty Mike cool. Wow. It was like the Aloha Line Shuffle or something like that that they would do on Fridays. Look how popular. Popular you are, you pill. No, I just... Blast is all I am. I mean, here I am, yeah, a high school dropout from Hawaii. What do I know? I mean, come on, man. Yeah, well, my... Are you really from Hawaii? I am. Where at? Uh, I was raised in... Do uh, you know the islands? Yep, I do. Uh, I was raised in Ainahaina, Oahu which is a little township between Kaimuki and Hawaii Kai over on the east side of the island. How old were you when you left? Uh, I left, the first time I left, I was, uh, I was 14, the first time I left, my dad was in, was in the Navy, got stationed in Long Beach from, uh, for about seven months for training, then we went back to Hawaii, then, uh, then I lived there for another two years, then, um, then I lived the rest of the time in Los Angeles, but I did, I did mornings at K-Rock, uh, three times and two or three times I quit and I'd go back to Hawaii and spend a year and a half or two years doing mornings in Honolulu and then I'd come back and we still go back uh, we still go back a couple times a year uh, we'll spend Christmas there this year and, and still have friends there my relatives are all dead but it's still it, Hawaii's my home I mean that's where I was raised and that'll always be my home where are you, how'd you know Hawaii? I just spent some time there and you know met a lot of people who live in Hawaii and it's an interesting place, interesting culture. I, uh, and I tell everybody, you're right. I tell everybody that Hawaii is uh, one of the United States, uh, it's, but it's, it's not part of the it's, it's part of the United States, but it's not part of the Americas. No, it's, it's more a part of the, true, of the yeah. Pacific it's, it's, Rim. It's a different culture, and you better be re- prepared to slow your roll down a lot. <laughs> <laughs> slow your roll because they don't do what we do here. Like it's not. You know, no, that that fast-paced service and all that stuff doesn't fly in Hawaii. Yeah. You know, you gotta. Well, it's funny being being a Howley, a white a white person that was raised there, you know. But but I was accepted because you know that I was born and raised there. But about this has been about eight or nine, ten years ago. 
Well, Cheryl and I went over there. We're visiting an auntie over in Miley, which is the far west end past Makaha on Oahu. I mean, way out of the far. Nothing there. Nothing there. It's a little grocery store, a little, little store called the Green Store, a little neighborhood store. And I was driving a rent-a-car. I pulled in, and I came out, and these two kids about 13, 14 years old, they could tell, you know, from all they could tell, I was a tourist driving a rental car in the local, local part of the island. So they start, they start harassing me. They, they start, you know, heckling me. So, hey, I'm from Hawaii. I turn around, I go, hey, where your mother stay? Your mother stay, you know how you act any kind of way, brother. I'm going to give you slaps. We're going to take you, going to suffer like one dog. Where your mama stay? You're going to get slapped. going to tune you up, you bargains. Look. They go, oh, we never know you from here, brother. Uh, I learned, I learned real quick that uh, if you have, if you, if you spend any time over there, to go get a local ID, because if you're a local, oh, the yeah. cops just say get out of here, and if you're a tourist, the cops are giving you a ticket. Really? Oh yeah. Always. I've had, a, I've had a Hawaii driver's license since I was 16. I renew it. I renew it every I, four years. I, I have one right now. You have a Hawaii There's driver's license. Your picture license? on it? Yep, my picture's on it. Beauty. So I have, Beauty. They changed it. It used to be they had the little pictures of the islands. Now it's a rainbow. I actually got my last one in Kauai, and it's different there because you have to go to the federal de- department because Kauai is actually not part of the state of Hawaii. It's a federal reserve. I didn't know that. Yep, so you have to go to the federal building to get a Kauai driver's license. Well, you, you, the, the uh, Kauai, Kauai County... Uh, their police department, you can get one at the county, uh, Kauai County Police Department, too. But uh, they don't have a DMV there like they usually, like most places. Right. They yeah. don't have a DMV at all. I do have to take a very quick break. We'll be back very, very, just a couple of minutes, Mike. That's okay with you? Yeah, sure. Okay, I want to talk to you very briefly about Aku Papuli. <laughs> right after this. Tom Bernard, yeah. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call our fleet reps right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. When Cassie turns the clock on. I'm getting, I'm getting it down. You're getting, getting it down. down. getting it down now. 
Our very special guest, we've been together 23 years, Mike Evans does a Hollywood report on the KQ Morning Show and has every day for 23 years. Spent a lot of time, whether in Florida or here, playing golf, drinking wine, laughing like madmen. It's been a great relationship all those years, Mike. Oh, it's been great. It's 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 been great from Florida uh, to uh, you know. I mean, this, I remember I remember us having a, 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 a like a barbecue on the 18th green at um, Golden, Golden Valley, Valley. Yep. with uh, with Norm Coleman. Mm-hmm. How's that for going back? Yeah, it's going back. Norm, I don't know how Norm's doing. Norm is uh, not good. I don't think a return of his cancer. No, you know what? His cancer's in remission. Is it? Well, that's, that's good. good. Yes. I hope so. I've thought. Yeah, it is. It's in remission. It's doing good. better. So, uh, Mike was was shocked all those years ago, almost a quarter century ago, that a guy from Minneapolis, Minnesota, I had uh, two people in radio that inspired me to get into radio, and neither one of them are from Minnesota. Not to say there haven't been great announcers here, but the two that inspired me for the first guy. Well, I should say the second guy, and then we'll get to the subject. The second guy was Steve Dahl when he was in Detroit. I heard tapes of him in 1976, 77 maybe. And I heard him and I said, that guy's going to change radio forever. He did. But the credit all went to Howard Stern. It was Steve Dahl that invented it. Howard Stern happened to be, and I'm not saying that Howard doesn't have any talent or whatever, but everybody gives him credit for changing radio. And it was Steve Dahl that changed radio, actually. I agree. But the I guy, agree. But the guy before that, the guy when I was a little kid, I heard, and I don't remember why. I think some somebody from Minneapolis uh, married a Hawaiian guy, and then they got divorced, and she brought her son back. So there was a Hawaiian kid, and you know, uh, I guess the mix honky and Hawaiian or whatever. It's just H H honky Hoppa. Hawa- Hoppa. Hoppa. So. Hoppa. My the very first disc jockey I heard that I was just floored by was Aku Papuli. Uh, he was on the air how many years in Hawaii? He's uh, he's on the same state was on the same station I'm on now KSSK uh, Aku Pakuhead. Uh, yeah, he was on. He, hey, that's that's how I got that's how I got interested in radio. Growing up listening to Aku, that's how I got interested in radio. No, he was—he was—he was, he was unbelievable. Um, he was, yep. There was a song. Oh God, I can't remember the name of the song. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. He played this song and he locked the door and he wouldn't stop playing the song <laughs> until the police came and broke down the. the, the That's the, really um, nice. And this was like in 1958. The police came and broke down the door. He, he would do crazy, crazy stuff. <laughs> And uh, he really, he really was. Uh, God, he was, he was really a great, one of the great radio talents of mm-hmm. all times. No doubt about it, Joe Akuhead Papuli. Uh, and he was Howley. He was a white guy. He was a white guy. Yes, people don't. Where was he from originally? Like Kansas or something? Uh, I think he was from Detroit. Oh, you know, my, you might be right. He might have been from Detroit, but yeah, he became a let. He was the first disc jockey I ever heard of that made a quarter of a million dollars a year. And living in Hawaii. Living in Hawaii. And, How and, good is that? And that was years ago. I mean, many, yeah. like, you know, Grease Man, he made 250000 a year back in 1977 in, in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, there were some guys that made that much money, but, uh, but 
Aku changed the whole business for everybody. But here's the sad thing that I wanted to ask you about because I heard this recently and I never knew it. Aku Papuli died broke? Yeah, he did die broke. He had a gambling oh. problem. Oh, is that what it was? It was gambling, You'd be yeah. surprised how many people big, died big, broke. Big-time gambler. God, a lot of people died broke. A lot broke, of people man. died broke. Is that a good way to die, just be broke? I think so. <laughs> as well. If you don't have any kids, why not? Yeah, or a wife or That means you had a good time in your life. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that, man. You know? There's no doubt about that. But, yeah, so Mike and I connected on that fact that I knew who Aku Papuli was and admired Aku from the very, very beginning, and uh, well, you and I... You and O.J. Simpson, and O.J. Simpson. Your buddy O.J. Simpson, that's right, I forgot about that. Where is that. O.J. right now? He's in Vegas, getting laid. Is yeah, he? he is a lot, isn't he? You know, it, when the first radio station that I worked for, when, when my dad moved out when I was 16, we moved back to, uh, to, to California, actually for good, until I moved back on my own. I worked at KRLA, a KRLA emptying trash, and this guy named Bob Hudson did mornings. Casey Kasem did middays. Oh, yeah. Bob Eubanks from the Newlywed Gang did yeah. afternoons. I remember when he was on the radio. And Gary Owens did nights. How's that for a lineup? Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, I'm starting to get the pictures now. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, uh, you know, Dennis Hoff died, the, the super pimp or whatever his name was. Guy who owned the Bunny Ranch. Yeah, gonna be, uh, there's, there's going to be a movie about him. I'm going to talk about that either tomorrow or Monday. They're already scrambling to make a movie about him. I am not kidding, Mike. If you look at newser.com, N-E-W-S-E-R.com, they have the little squares of pictures. Dennis Hoff yeah. in that picture looks I thought it was me. I even thought it was me. <laughs> it looks me. a lot like oh, Tom. Yeah. There's, they Just have a side-by-side of you and him. Yeah, you've got it right here. Yeah, I... It's on the phone. <laughs> That's great. I'm being sent that now. Super Pimp Tom is my new nickname. <laughs> Newser.com. Newser.com, and it's uh, Dennis Hoff's story. What, he's wearing an HBO hat. Yeah, it looks, it looks a lot like Tom in that picture. I, I thought it was me. I swear. I looked at the picture and went, why am I in the, on Newser this morning? Yeah, it's unbelievable, Mike. I'm going to it right now. Okay, let me know when you see it. It's, it's not the story itself. It's the little box promoting the story. That's on the front page of their website. They got the NF, something on the NFL. And it might have changed right? by now. They might have changed by now? They change it constantly, so. I suppose that's true. But, yes, yeah, so apparently I look like uh, a dead super pimp. But other than that. I'm fit right in right there for yourself. Yeah, no doubt about it. No question about it. So you left Hawaii at what age? Uh, for the for the final time, 16. You were 16 so, years old. But, I mean, I went back and lived there on my own. But with yeah. my being raised there, I was uh, was was raised there until I was 16. Okay. So what, you spent your young adulthood in Los Angeles? Uh, yeah, 16, 16 up. I quit high school. So what year what went, years I quit high, then? Uh, 63. Oh, so you, you you were in the good parts. I'm old. No, but you were in... You so, 60, so, so 63, you know, Tom's heard this story. In 63, 
Uh, I'm working at Carolay. I'm emptying the trash and working the switchboard. And the PD used to make the radio, the record guys wait hours and hours before he would talk to oh, them. God. Guy was a real jerk. So I would sit at the switchboard and get to know them. And the guy from Epic and I became really close friends. Occasionally, he'd bring his girlfriend in. And when and I had I had this high school band that I quit high school. That is a pretty good, good little band. So we got to talking to him and his and his girlfriend, the guy Decca. They wanted to try singing and try to get a record deal, but you know, just gets. So I said, let me let me call high schools, uh, and during halftime of basketball games, I'll get my band there, and you and your girlfriend can sing, and we'll charge them like 150 bucks. The band takes 75 bucks. You take 75 bucks, and we must have done 30 high schools like that. And I used to hang out at their house all the time, Sunny and Cher. Yeah, oh, yeah, I knew you hung, hung around Sunny and Cher a lot, as a matter of fact. Yeah, so that, 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 then, then, then we did the TV show, and I never looked back. I was there with them with, with I got, when they did I Got You, Babe, and Phil Spector was shooting guns at Gold Star. and <laughs> so I just did the right, <laughs> I did the right place at the right time. Yes, yeah, I, I always say anybody who lived that, those, that decade and the next one in Hollywood is just a little bit smarter and wiser than anyone else in the world. Because yeah, you'll appreciate this story. You'll appreciate this story that we we did a gig at the Revelaire in Redondo. Uh, no, the retail clerks in Buena Park, and that Sonny didn't have a car at this time. So Sonny and Sharon are driving back, and Sonny's like, I was staying at their house. And he goes, "Hey, we gotta stop and have dinner." And I said, "Okay." And he goes, "And we're going to go to a really nice place. So you can't go in." And I lost it. I go, you know, F you, Sonny. I, you know, you drive my car. That's, nice. I, that, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do it. He goes, oh, but you're not dressed good enough. You know, so he gives me directions. We pull in front of Pink's. <laughs> Pink's that, that was hot dog That stand. was a really nice place? That was a really nice place. It was just busting my chops. But you, I know me having you, li- you having, knowing you lived in L.A., Pink's is the best hot dogs in California. It is, but, uh, you know, they, they, they kind of ruined They opened up one in Vegas and kind of exploited it. So, well, this is 19... This, right, back They had then, just right, opened right. a few right, years right, ago, right, before right, this. This right. is in the beginning. Right. And, uh, it's you definitely know, this was before man, you could even... This is before you could even sit down. There wasn't even a place to sit down. It was like a Tommy Burger right. uh, over on over on Rampart in Beverly. You had to yeah. get your food out, outside and just stand up there and eat it. Yeah. God, what a life. I was back here breaking my back. You guys are already eating a wiener. Well, at least you got to enjoy all the snow and shit. Stuff, huh? Uh, some of the stuff you, you say, Tom. You know, the, the, I think we had, the misconception. I think we had the top. I think it was December, and we had the top down, and it was 75 degrees. Hello! The no, misconception of the rest of the country that they have on Los Angeles. Los Angeles is an amazing city, and people don't really realize what is in Los Angeles. They just see what's, like, on TV. It's one of the only places in the world you can go snow skiing and surfing on the same day. Dude, dude, <laughs> when I did mornings at K-Rock twice a year... We had the K-Rocks surf and ski promotion. We get five, six busloads of people. At 6 o'clock in the morning, we start our show. The bus people would come, park their cars. They load up on the buses. After the first break, we would drive down, we'd drive down to Santa Monica. Yeah. Everybody with their surfboards. We'd surf for three hours, get on the buses, drive up to, drive up to uh, Mount Baldy yeah. and Big Bear, and, and then ski in the afternoon. 
and then smoke pot and drink and drink champagne coming back to the station, got back to the station around 8 o'clock at night. You can, on a clear day, you could be snow skiing and look down at the ocean. It's one of the only places in the world that you can do that. Really? It's an amazing city. Is that Big Bear? Is that where that yeah, is? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, I know where you're talking about. I know where you're talking about. But So, Mike, I mean, think about that. A kid uh, grew up until you're 16 in Hawaii. You end up in Los Angeles. You have a great career. When did you decide, I'm going to go from being on one radio station to syndicating my comments to 40 radio stations? When did that happen? Well, I was, I was doing mornings at K-Rock. I got blown out there after 10 years. Took a year and a half off, and then I said, you know what, I'd like to do like little Hollywood stuff, because before I was at K-Rock, I was the West Coast Sports and Entertainment Editor of the New York Post. Oh, yeah, right. So, and then I it was with Sonny, before. I knew, I knew all, everybody in Hollywood, so I thought, I'm going to just go see if I can call my, my friends, friends in morning shows and see if I can just sell doing these little two or three minute bits every day. And I started selling, I started calling stations for two weeks, two weeks after I started, OJ killed Ron and Nicole, and I had a courtroom pass. And it's yeah. like, uh-oh, now I can call the stations, and how would you like to have somebody report right. every day that's inside the OJ's trial? And bam, I had 70 stations. I lost all the urban stations after OJ, and I got tired, kind of cut them down to 40. And uh, been doing that since OJ killed Ron and Nicole. Allegedly I sent him a card. <laughs> I, he allegedly no, he killed. killed. <laughs> no, he no, killed no. Check, check no, the civil killed. case. Check the civil case on me. Yeah. Uh, I send him a card every year. I, I don't have his address now, but he, all the time that he was uh, still in Brentwood, and then uh, when he moved to, uh, when he uh, uh, was in prison, I would send him a card every year thanking him because I knew OJ years before he killed Ron and Nicole. He used to sit next to me at Dodger Stadium when I traveled with the Dodgers. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mike Evans, ladies and gentlemen. Mike, uh, 23 years has been great. Hopefully it'll be, you know, seven, eight more. we got to get the 30 years together. Yeah, we got to do that. So uh, you, I'll talk to you on the radio tomorrow. I hope this guy that's with you, I hope he, he'll remember me LA next Nick. time. L.A. Yeah. Now, Bam, LA I'm, Nick. I'm, he goes, who, Mike, who's I'm, on I'm, next? Mike Evans. Who the hell's Mike Evans? I'm I just, goes, like, what? I'm, just, I'm bad with names. <laughs> Way to go, my friend. Uh, it was a it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure yes, uh, to meet you and uh, Tommy. I love you, buddy. Love you too. And uh, wait, hey, where, where's your wife right now? She's in Phoenix visiting. She's abandoned me. Well, She's last, in Phoenix last, visiting last post I mother. saw, she was at a single spa. <laughs> hey, there's a shock. Hey, really? Hey, she, hey, oh, hey, she, he. He thinks you're in Phoenix, sweetheart. Boy, look at the time. I'd love to I'd love to schmooze with all of you. Oh, Joe from Louisville called that one. Yeah, he did. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be here all week. Thanks, Michael. I'll talk to you in the morning. Aloha, hui ho, mahalo, nui loa. See ya. Bye. Mike Evans, ladies and gentlemen. That's good stuff. 23 years. By the way, Joe from Louisville is looking to buy me an HBO hat. He's looking for one right Oh, you could probably make some good money going around saying you're Dennis Hoff. Hey, look, I didn't die. Uh, you can be hired for parties. Yeah, that's right. Probably more adult parties. But hey, maybe you can get into the Playboy Mansion. Yeah, get invited to parties and I'll call people and go, you want me to bring whores with me? <laughs> I'm great. sure we can find some. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show.